Welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Buri Oludemi, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Suleiman Lassisi. Suleiman, how are you doing? I am doing very well. You know, we had the holiday and just a lot of time to catch up on soccer. But before we dive into soccer, I saw the movie Irishman on Netflix. Oh, great. You should go check it out. Irishman. Yeah. Right. And then this, I watched a lot of soccer games, predominantly the Premier League, and no shortage of surprises. You know, Emery getting sacked, you know, so... We'll definitely get into the details of that in the show, but I'm excited. Yeah, speaking about uh, Emery getting sacked, we have a guest later on on the show. His name is Matt. He's from Canada. And he'll he's here to just talk about his feelings about, you know, what's been going on with Arsenal this season. Now, as we record, uh, just a few hours ago, I say, I think two hours ago, um, a particular person won the Ballon d'Or my favorite player, the, the player I think is the best in the world, Lionel Messi. What is your first reaction about this news? It seems like you, ha- you have somewhat of a, you know, you're skeptical about this. You, you don't like this choice. It's all rigged, Bori. This is all rigged. And that was my first reaction because I, Messi had an okay season last season. He won the La Liga. That's all I can remember of his achievements. And then you have someone like Virgil van Dijk, a ball-playing defender, you know what I'm saying? A conquistador in his own right. And he came coming second to Messi. So I just felt like this is really FIFA or whoever has their favorite guy and that's who gets it. Well, okay, so Ballon d'Or is, first of all, is an individual um, award. So it's who performed the best. Yes, so we can we can say yes. Van Dyke did very well. Yes, I I agree. He did very well. He was the best defender, no doubt. Um, and one of the best important uh, best players on Liverpool, Liverpool's team. Messi also individually did very well. Highest goal scorer in, in the whole of Europe, well at least the top five leagues. Highest goal scorer in the Champions League. Highest goal scorer in La Liga. What else do you want from 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 Messi? What what do you what else do you want from him to be able to be the Ballon d'Or for this? for this past year? Win a trophy other than the La Liga. The La Liga at this point is his birthright. How many La Liga trophies does he have? Well, probably can, in the can, I, can I argue that Messi, oh, Barcelona wins La Liga because of Messi, because of this one player. Whereas in Liverpool, they won the Champions League well, not solely because of Alisson, because of oh, because of not solely because of Van Dijk, because of Alisson's brilliant saves, because of Salah and Mane's brilliant attack, and and Firmino, no doubt. Um, th- that is the problem. That's the problem I see with Van Dijk winning the Ballon d'Or. So I want to actually point you to a very significant achievement that Van Dijk had last season. In the entirety of last season, he was not dribbled past just once. In sure. the entirety of that whole season. So that should count for something. He was at his best, at the height of his supernatural, superhuman performance. So for you to give someone like Messi, who in my face, don't get me wrong, he's one of the best players to ever play the game. But in my assessment of him last season, he was a mere average player. Like th- This was a World Cup season. And... He didn't even he didn't even have a good World Cup. You, you know what I'm saying? You, I don't think, I do not think... He has merited the right to win the Ballon d'Or this past year. I find it very, very surprising that you say he had an average season. Yes, the one game he needed to show up against Liverpool 
the return leg in Anfield, he was not able to score or provide at least one goal. That was the only game last season that he did very bad. And I understand for somebody in his caliber, you expect him to perform in every single game, every single minute. I get that fact. But yes, also Van Dijk did not get dribbled past, but that didn't really help them win the Premier League. That was the only, you know, they didn't win the Premier League. They didn't win any of the smaller cup. And remember, Liverpool had a chance to win four four trophies last season, but they could only win one. Arguably, the, the, the one, the toughest one, obviously. But still, where was Van Dijk when Barcelona was scoring three goals against them in Camp Nou? Like, this is this is the problem with, like, if you're saying, if you're complaining that, yes, he didn't show up in that one game, then, well, Van Dijk didn't show up in that game. There are games that Liverpool lost last season that Van Dijk didn't show up. So, it goes both ways. I just think, and I know it sucks because it's hard to kind of compare attackers and defenders. And again, like I said, Van Dijk had a phenomenal season. I'm not doubting that. Um, and But you cannot take away Messi's consistency over the years. And he, again, he still did it. For me, should be winning over the years. The one surprise, though, that I thought was a punch in the gut is Ronaldo being third place. I'm not I'm not one to say Ronaldo versus Messi, you know, Messi is better or whatever. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to that debate, but how in the world is Ronaldo third in that list? I mean, left to me both players, by both I mean Ronaldo and Messi shouldn't even be in the top 3, but that's I mean, you have Lewandowski, he should be in the exactly. conversation. Exactly. That so that is me, my third. Neither Messi nor Ronaldo should be there, but we can go on about this all day. I would rather just move to more pressing and important topics, but I want to actually move and talk about the EPL. Let's talk about Tottenham Hotspurs. They played Bournemouth. Mourinho, the touted savior, has come to this league, and it feels like they can't keep a clean sheet against teams. What's your opinion about this team's resurgence? Uh, new coach, who this, right? That, that was the topic yeah. of our last... Of our, of our last episode. Um, first of all, I, listeners out there, I'm a fan of Mourinho. I think, for me, the best coach ever to, to coach this game, personally. Um, you may you may not agree with that. But I'm not surprised that they're winning because that's how Mourinho... Mourinho is a winner. He gets things done. Now, I'm very much surprised that they're conceding, especially, what, this... They've considered four goals in two games now. Yes. Um, that is unlike Mourinho. Mourinho is known for packing, you know, the packing, uh, parking the bus, um, and how he's able to concede four goals in two games is beyond me. I think, and if you've listened to his, uh, you know, when when he was doing being a pundit for for Bain Sports and and he, you know, when they were interviewing him for this job or when they were doing the opening, you know, interview for for this job. Um, he said he's a changed person. He's realized that he needs to change his ways. He has changed his ways. So maybe this is him changing his ways. Maybe he's not going to be parking the bus anymore. I mean, I doubt that that's going to happen, but he's going to park the bus. But maybe he's changed in terms of his tactics. He's changing the way he he perceives the game. He's realized that he needs to go for the win. He needs to go out there and actually score goals and not just sit back and counterattack. Um, and this is, this, I think this is what's reflected in the game. Um, I don't know for sure, but this is just my guess. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised for a t for for a coach that is known for uh, good defense, uh, for him to be considering four goals in two games that is is a shock. Yeah, and for me also, not only is the fact that he's considering 
he has considered two goals in each of those games. It's the manner in which they've been considered. They were up 3-0 in both games, and then they almost had to hold on to their to victory in, in those two instances. Also, I actually do want to call out Dele Alli. I think he's playing the best soccer that he has played in a long time. I really just want to say, definitely, this is not Dele Alli's brother. This is the real Dele Alli we're seeing. And we will move on and talk about Liverpool and Leicester City. We're not going to dwell on this too much. Nothing's changed here, except for the fact that we have unlikely heroes in both situations. Liverpool wins, and who's the hero? Virgil van Dijk. Not for keeping a clean sheet, but for scoring two goals in a game that almost looked like it was going to be a nail-biting encounter. And then Leicester City wins, and who's the hero here? The outcast, Kelechi Nacho. For me, that's surprising because I, was, I wasn't I was even expecting him to even feature in that contest. So this just, what do you think about this? Well, you think the Ballon d'Or is today? And uh, Van Dyke went to score two goals and win the game for Liverpool. So very surprising. Um, for all our FPL fans out there, I played a, a, the person I played this past weekend um, had uh, Ar uh, Arnold Alexander and uh, Van Dyke on the t on the team. So obviously I, w I was killed this past weekend. But as I'm really, uh, I'm a little salty about that. Um, but you know, again. I've said this about Liverpool. This is going to end eventually. This time where they they have all these narrow wins and 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 yes, they have most of the ball every time, but they're not able to really convincingly win the game. Um, but I think this is going to end eventually, and maybe this week because they're playing like they have to play like what three games in like or, or four games in like two weeks. Um, but let's talk about Leicester City. Um, I completely forgot about he about he and Nacho because I didn't even know that they were still fielding him, but. It's good to see that he came back and and uh, assisted the goal, the goal and scored and the goal. Yeah. Um. So it's very very good to see, and it's very good to see Leicester, you know, actually going for this. Uh. But again, don't know if they'll be able to do this till the end of the season. Let's talk about someone who needs to be able to do this through the end of the season. Manchester City. We went from Centennial to wired wire last season, and now they're they're really just struggling. What what what's your position on this team? You know, I am. I am just surprised. I really don't know what's going on because they have lost it. They have completely lost the plot. And I think they've given up. Um, I think they've realized that they can't win this, um, uh, you know, they can't win, win the EPL. And as people say, they're going for the UCL and the bookies have them as the favorites to win the UCL. I still don't know how people think they're the favorites to win the UCL. I think people are now watching, you know, <laughs> they're not watching other leagues. But my point is, Pep Guardiola has he I think he's not able to motivate them to be able to win games in the EPL, so that's a problem. Um, now and I even before this past weekend, I was I was like, you know what? I still think they can still win the EPL, but after this past weekend, that's it. Uh, it it's not even about just tying this game; it's about they've lost the plot. They're mentally not in this in the EPL. They don't. It seems like they don't want to win the EPL, and I think that's what's going to lose them the EPL this year. And you mentioned. Like they are favorites for the UCL. At this point, I actually think the UCL is the saving grace because anything short of the European trophy, I mean, this might as well be the worst season that Gadiola has been in charge at Manchester City. But before I move on, I want to actually say something. If you're a fan of like space and rockets and everything, you do not have to go to the space station in Florida to see a rocket. Just go back to the game City and Newcastle and go watch Kevin De Bruyne's goal. It was a, it was a beauty come alive. Absolute, absolute uh, masterclass goal. I love Kevin De Bruyne. I think he's the best player for me in the EPL currently. Um, and not surprised he even scored that goal, but absolute rocket. 
And with that, we're going to talk about Manchester United in a very short breath because I don't even know where to start with this team. But this is what I'm going to ask you. How many games away is Ole from being fired? I actually think they'll keep him. Um, as long as he doesn't bring them down to the relegation zone. Um, I think they'll still keep him because they're, they need to find a very good coach. And I think they've realized that... I don't know if Pochettino wants... I think Pochettino is probably going to take, want to take a break till the end of the season and see uh, the situation. Um, the only person that comes to mind is Allegri. And I thought, you know, from what I've heard in the media, Allegri is supposed to be taking a year sabbatical and thinking about his life, basically, and, and learning English, which is, which is why I think he'll be the next coach of United. Um, but I think United, unless they are going down the relegation zone, I think... I think uh, Ole will be will stay to the end, and they're not really playing too horrible for the for the players they have. I think the mistake they made was they didn't get a replacement replacement for Lukaku, and uh, and well Sanchez wasn't really a, a player, but um, I I think I think he's still sitting on the season. I don't see I don't see how he's going to get fired. How how many games do you think he it will take for him to get fired? I will be surprised if he makes it till January because for me, other than Brandon Williams and Marcus Rashford, I actually hate to give credit to Marcus Rashford, but other than those two players, I mean, you might as well just throw in a bunch of 18-year-olds on that team. Interesting. All right, uh, we have a guest on the show. His name is Matt Umwaje, all the way from Ontario, Canada. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, and that's for you guys to invite me to the show. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we invited Matt over because he's a fan of a very big club called Arsenal. Arsenal. Um, yes, they may not be doing very well now, but they are still a very big club. Um, so let's just dive right in uh, and talk about the firing that went home, that went on last week uh united emery was fired and a new coach was appointed uh can you talk about your feelings about you know emery being fired were you surprised what's going on here um i wouldn't say i wouldn't say i'm surprised i mean like again everybody's seen the record everybody's watched the games everybody's seen how arsenal plays and i mean it was the, the firing was long coming um i mean frankly I would say it took longer than expected. I, I would have thought we got rid of him, especially after, um, right after this, the Leicester game. That should have been it. You know, at that point, if that happened earlier, maybe he would have, uh, you know, gotten Mourinho or something. Again, I'm not a big fan of Mourinho, but for the problems we're having right now, well, we, we can we can do a lot worse. Um, but back to um, back to my sentimental memory. I, th I think the problem with Emery was. Um, we all expected him to, to, we hoped he could succeed, right? And and again, when you have a new coach, especially after Wenger's been there for 22 years, you kind of hope that, you, you know, there'll be some trying periods and you're hoping to things that automatically to kick off right there and there. But, you know, I, I think we, we as a fans, we give him time um, and it just looks like he just, for different things and different stuff that we're getting to, like the football wasn't right. So... Um, so answer your question. I was not surprised. Um, I think Thursday was the was the final straw for the board because we played at home against Frankfurt, and the, you know, like I don't know if you guys saw it, but the, the stadium was empty. So that was the fans basically saying, "I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna buy tickets, but I'm not gonna show up." And again, at that point, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. So you had to go at that point. Yeah, you mentioned the fans being fed up and the straw that broke the camel's back. I actually want to talk about 
a a hashtag that I used to see on my Twitter feed. I think it was <laughs> Pierce Morgan that used to promote mm. this years back, Wenger out. And it took a long time before Wenger actually left. So, but Emery out, I think, I mean, he's only been there 18 months and he's been gone. Like, what changed in the nature of patience of the club? <clears throat> So um, before to add to, before I uh, move forward to answer your question, I like to say that Pierce Morgan does not speak for the majority <laughs> of Arsenal fans. Uh-oh. He just happened to be he just happened to be the most popular one. So Shots I can guarantee you, <laughs> a lot of us don't share his sentiment. But again, yeah, let's not let's not get into that. So uh, um, so Wenger out. I, so it's the thing again. Wenger um, Wenger was a great coach. Um, he's probably still a great coach if he decides to go back to coaching. Um, and I'll go on record and say this at first that, I, you know, like I really wanted Emery to succeed. And, and you know, like one of the biggest problems we had under Emery was the fact that we never had an identity as a team. Um, if you watch Arsenal play, even in the days of Wenger, even when the football was very, very bad, you can tell that the football was good in terms of it was very attacking. It was fluid. It was, you know, we're scoring goals, even though we're still had a terrible defense and we're conceding or losing games in the terrible ways. But at least you can tell Arsenal, like, you know, everybody talks, all the players like Arsenal, Arsenal plays at Barcelona in the back of the day. And that was like an identity that we took for us. And for the longest time, Wenger was able to get away with it because the football was very attractive. Um, now Q and Emery, who literally came in and sucked every label light of Wenger ball that he that we had left. Um, and it just became like, you know, like, again, like, Emery was... I was again. I was. I was saying this again. And most of my friends can back me up. I was a big supporter of Emery when what we when he got hired. One of the things that actually drew me towards Emery was the fact that he is um, he is very tactical and he he's very in terms of uh, he's very detail oriented. So one of the things, one of the jokes is the fact that Emery usually would make USB sticks of videos and give to players and kind of watch video films of players. And being like a you know sort of data nerd and analytics nerd like myself, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm definitely behind this. Um, turns out that that was never worked out on the pitch, um, you know, and it just it just got it just got so bad towards the end, you know, like from the, I mean one of the biggest I guess the big one of the biggest the first red flag was the how he handled Ramsey leaving the club, um, and then you have the also issue which no one can explain what Matt what happened, and then afterwards you start hearing things about the players not understanding him, the English core mocking him, um, making fun of his accent. And then on the field, you see the weird tactics, you know, like, how do you use seven formations in seven games? It's just, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. And then, you know, like we have stats, like if you ever watch Arsenal, you're like, Arsenal, again, like I just, I wrote this down before the call and it's like in, in, in 13 games, we faced 225 shots. And then again, that, that, that might not sound like a lot, but if I, if I put that in perspective, City last year, Man City, the entire, the entire year when they won the league, they only faced 238. So we're in the quarter of the season, and Arsenal already faced 225 shots. And like, there was no cohesion between our defense and, the, and our, our midfield. And again, you can say our players are bad. Um, I don't think we have the greatest players. We have our team needs a massive overhaul. But like a lot of things, we should we should still be playing to our strengths. And like you know, like again, it's been it's been over five months, and we still don't understand how Arsenal is playing as a team. Let's talk about Fred Lundberg. So, obviously, Fred Lundberg is back, but as a coach, um, what was your feeling like in the first game that he was in charge, and what do you think his future is like as a coach? I mean, he's only he only had two days to uh, to the job, and uh, I wasn't expecting drastic changes. I mean, he even said in his first press conference, do not expect him to be changing much, at least initially. 
Um, I mean, that already gave me a heads up that I'm pretty sure the Norwich game, when we played Norwich, the game plan was already set. And he just, you know, my issue with him was the, the one thing he could have had control over was a team selection. And he looked like the team selection against Norwich was not what I was expecting. But then again, looking deep, deeper into it, you could see he gave a lot of senior players like, you know, that been um, alienated, like Shaka and Mustafi. He started them. And I guess the reason we behind that was to gain trust. Um, so I, I guess it's still early. Um, and and for Lundberg, I'll, I'll say the... I'll say this: um, the first 30 minutes of that game um, gave us a glimpse of what Arsenal used to be in terms of the DNA, the passing movement, or whatever. Um, again, for for 30 minutes, uh, you could re- looking at the football, you could see some form of old Arsenal DNA in terms of the attacking movement. I mean, the game didn't end the way we wanted it because it's going to be harder. It's going to take him more than I don't even know. Like I don't know how long it's going to take him to be able to fix this entire team, but. Um, I'm ready to give Lundberg a chance. Um, I'm ready to, you know, see how it goes. And he's, you know, from what uh, from what people have been saying, and you know, we're talking about it. Um, he looks like he's, he can be, uh, he can adapt, and he can uh, he can do he, he works very well with the young teams, with the young players. So and the young players like him. And plus, he speaks English fluently. That's I mean, I never I never thought that would be a problem <laughs> in football, but, but you know, we, here we are. <laughs> That's actually interesting. We're talking about. Bayern hiring a coach and the main requirement of Bayern trying to get a coach was must speak German. So I guess Arsenal might as well add that to the coaching requirement. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 weird to say so, but like one of big, Emery's biggest flaws was like, and, and the thing is, a lot of people now everything is coming up because he's no longer coach. But they say he had the same issue in um, when he was in PSG that he was trying so hard to speak French because he wanted to relate to players directly, so he wouldn't use a translator. But then the problem is he started using keywords and buzzwords, and then he's like he wasn't making any sense. Yes. So talking about coach, I actually I've watched Arsenal games over the course of this season as far as it's been and i'm concerned that it's not really or i'm of the opinion that it's not really coaching that's arsenal's problem i feel that a lot of those players are not even committed to the course i i saw the southampton game and i also saw the norwich game this weekend and i could really only single out burned leno and Aubameyang as the two players who i felt maybe grandiose as a third who i felt like were committed to the course everyone else they might as well be replaced by someone else what are your thoughts um, yeah, you're right. Burton, I know, has been our best player this year. Um, I know a lot of people are going to see Aubameyang, but I think Leno has saved us more than Aubameyang has. Um, again, I think this is up for argument. Aubameyang has called all our away goals um, since, uh, I think, September or something like that. I saw that today, which, was, which sounds very ridiculous. Um, but yes, you're right. We have we have not had a natural leader in that squad. Um, but again, Emery never, never tried to change that issue. He named five captains to start the year. Like, there's no club in the world, serious club in the world, who says they have five captains. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then he decided to name a captain in Shaka, who he said the, the players voted for, who might not be a leader, but is, is very popular within the, within the locker room, which is fine too. And then you alienate him after an incident with the fans. The whole man management thing was just so bad, it's hard to have a team of proper cohesion when there's no one who can take responsibility for things. Um, the team is very young. Um, we bought David Luiz, who, again, sentiments aside, was never, we should not spend that money on him, but 
he is the closest person you have to a leader. But if he's the, he's only been in, he's only been in the, in the team for less than six months. He can't be your captain. Um, so why the team is not while the team is not good enough, um, I also think we don't have a natural leader on the squad to be able to take responsibility or you know to to, to shout at these young players to be you know to, to scold these young players when things are not going right. So we need to fix that first. Our, our squad is not good enough. Um, I don't know if it's coaching can fix it. I mean, any coach, it doesn't matter. Even, even if you're bringing Guardiola right now or Klopp right now, like I don't think there, there's no miracles that are going to happen on Arsenal overnight. Um, they have to be a massive overhaul in terms of culture, in terms of like how teams, players, and everybody taking the team seriously. So like I don't know how you fix that. Uh, but like I said, it's it's going to be something that requires a massive overhauling culture shift. Like you're going to need, so first of all, you're going to need a coach who is going to bring that um, discipline to the squad first. Speaking about coaches, um, we've heard a few coaches being linked with Arsenal. Uh, initially, we, we, you know, we've heard about Mourinho before he went to Tottenham, and now we've heard about Allegri. Who would you say or from your point of view, who would you like to match? Uh, it's a very tough question because I, I'm just trying. I'm tr- you have to be realistic with your approach as well. I mean, like I can dream and say I hope Klopp leaves Liverpool to Arsenal, but then we all know that if wishes were horses, you know. Um, but you know, replacing Wenger was never an easy task, and I, I, I don't even know if the board did the, tr- the true due diligence in, the, in, in when they were doing the initial hiring. Um, reports are about the eight names that came out. Um, you know, Allegri at the time, Arteta, Henri, um, Julian uh, Lepetugri, and those his name, um, Sampoli, and uh, Patrick Vieira. Um, out of those names, the only person that probably, you know, I would say we should have given a shot to was Arteta. But um, apparently, the board did not want um, a massive overhaul in the back room. But um, I guess, like, for me, I think we should. Uh, we should let Lundberg be, have a caretaker role full-time um, to the end of the season because, frankly, the season has been lost. Um, and we're, getting, we're going to – like, the, the season is – I mean, we, we have top four ambitions, but, like, with, between now and, like, the end of the season, it's going to be damn near impossible to get that with how teams are playing. Um, so give Freddie Lundberg the caretaker role to the end of the year. And then let, have a full summer to access it. So whoever comes in has a full summer to do everything, has a full preseason to be able to bring it, has a full has a lot of time to bring in all those guys. Because now obviously Fred Lundberg is even struggling to bring staff onto his team. We have to have Kermit Asaka come from the other twenty three team to come be his assistant coach on the game against Norwich. Um, these things take time. That is a very interesting position you take, Matt. And I think probably I mean, you have memories of Jungberg playing for Arsenal. But with Lundberg at the helm of affairs at Arsenal, what do you think is the best case scenario for Arsenal come the end of the season? Um, like I said, the season is already lost. And I don't know if we can make top four anymore. It's it's going to be. I mean, if he can take this squad to a top four, he should get the job full time. But I think we should, this should be an audition process for him. Um, because let's be real there, even if we hired Arteta last season, there's no difference between Arteta and Lundberg, right? The only difference is one worked with Pep Guardiola and one hasn't. But they're both coaches who don't have who don't have uh, uh, the experience in a big time club, right? So it's just, just hoping that they can they can do better. But again, with Lundberg, the fans will not turn on him because he's you know he's a fan favorite. Same with Ole, right? Now Ole is going to have you know he's going to always have that 
back that thing behind him that he's a fan favorite, so they will not turn on him faster. Um, but I guess the best case scenario for us would be, you know, try to try to get back in the Champions League. And at this point, the only way for us to do that would be to win Europa. So the best case for us is win Europa so we can get back to the Champions League because top four is basically a dream right now unless something drastic happens. Um, but if we can win the Europa Cup so we can get back to the Champions League, then that would be great. That would be a great way to salvage an otherwise terrible situation this year. All right, Matt, thank you so much. I do share your sentiments. Currently, uh, AC Milan is not doing very well, and mm. I feel like we're in the same boat. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so we, we I, I do definitely uh, share your sentiments, but I really want to thank you for joining us today um, and talking about Arsenal. And uh, maybe we can have you on towards the end of the season and see where you are and, and what you think about Lundberg. Oh, definitely. Let me know. I'm always, uh, I'm always be down to come talk about Arsenal. Sure. Thank you. No worries. to the bully this was a very interesting weekend Bayern Munich context here boy because I watched this and I was like boy is gonna rip me apart this weekend Bayern Munich loses to Bayer Leverkusen 2-1 but I want to tell you that the score does not reflect the actual performance of the game this game could have actually been 10-2 Bayern Munich winning Lewandowski Perisic and Gnabry need to stay back for finishing practice every day of the week until the next game because they had so many chances they could not finish what are your thoughts you know you've gotten me excited about the bundesliga because i've i don't really rate it as a very high league for me to watch but i've been following it closely now because of you um not surprised that Bayern lost again yes you're right uh their game doesn't reflect the scoreline but that no one cares about. In 10 years' time, people are going to remember Bayern not winning the, the, the Bundesliga right because they didn't win their games. So, um, sadly, it's the results that matter. And this case, and that is the case in this, uh, in this uh, situation. One thing that also stood out to me was before the game, Lewandowski, the goal machine, had actually gone on Twitter and said he was addicted to scoring. Well... <laughs> And then he goes on to play I this saw game that. and recorded the sec only the second game in 13 games in the Bundesliga that he was unable to score. By the way, he has 16 goals already this season. Well, so 27 in all competitions. In all competitions, yeah. he has 12 in the he has 10 in the Champions League as well. So he's firing on all cylinders. But I feel like did he jinx himself or wait? Wait a he, minute. Did Muller scoring his first goal in the bully jinx Bayern Munich? Yeah, no, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't believe in all this, uh, you know, jinxing and stuff. But I think it definitely jinxed himself this time around, um, and it's 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 just unlucky. Uh, but let's, you know, let let's see what happens. I, I still think he will. He'll probably have the highest goals scored uh, in Europe this season. Oh well, that's definitely open for us to see. What I actually want to talk about, the name you didn't like to hear when it comes oh, to Leipzig, God. Timo Werner oh, scores no. again. And I actually want to point this out to you. There's consistency, and there's like scoring three goals or four goals in a game. This dude scores at least a goal a game, which is basically saying, I'm here. Bori, acknowledge me. I am here. I acknowledge you, but I would love to see him do it outside of Bundesliga. I still don't think he's a great uh, uh, finisher, but I, I, I'm... I, I think he can prove me wrong by, by leaving that league and, and scoring more in the Champions League. I think that's when I'll, I'll rate him as a high... I, I don't really rate him as a high uh, 
Finish it. Timor is definitely going to make you eat your words. But before we talk about eating your words, Jürgen Klinsmann, remember him? Yes. So he is now the coach at Arthur Berlin. Yep. And this past weekend, they played Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund, of course, they won this game 2-1. It wasn't an easy game with Hummels getting the red. And also, Arthur Berlin coming back, half in the deficit. But I just want to talk about... This is when this look as it is right now. Gladbach won. We have to say that, right? Yeah. I, and remember, I have Gladbach winning the, the uh, Bundesliga. They have no distractions this season. I think they're, I think they're going to win it. They're not in the Champions League. Um, do, uh, congrats to Klinsmann joining. Um, he, you know, joining the uh, Hertha Berlin. Um, hopefully he does very well. Um, I think the USA did very bad by firing, it, firing him. Uh, but let's, let's see what happens. Yeah, let's talk about the La Liga, and really, I just want to talk about the one game that really was the highlight of this weekend. Barcelona played Atletico Madrid uh, uh, in in uh, in the Wanda Metro- Metropolitano. Um, I actually saw I was listening to a show, and they called it the Wanda Messi Politano, just because you know Messi always turns up. Um, the the situation with Atletico Madrid right now is they they seem to be able to defend but they can't score. Uh, you have Diego Costa, you have Morata uh, in the front lines, and they can't do anything you know other than fall and try to cause a penalty. Um, but I really just want to talk about the synergy and the electric like the the fluency of of play between Messi, Suarez, and Griezmann. The 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 front three that people thought. Would not, was not going to work out very well. And what are your thoughts with that three? And do you think they still need Neymar? Yes, I'm bringing up Neymar. So I'm going to say MSG or MSN? Uh, MSG. It's always been MSN for me. And I'll tell you why. Because I feel like Griezmann is still, is still gelling. He's not there yet. And w- one thing I could say, I remember this vividly when, I think it was in 2014 Champions League, when Barca played Juventus. And I saw the way Barca played Juventus in that Champions League final. I was like, this team will win the Champions League for the next 10 years. That's how fluid they were together. I haven't, they haven't reached the same heights with Griezmann on that squad. But I would say one thing, though. Talking about a duo, Suarez and Messi. I, yes. I, they're a duo I love to watch. I, and that's part of why, I want, like, if, I, if you watch the goal that, that was scored, Messi could have actually passed the ball to Griezmann, but I think he tricked everyone by passing to Suarez, and Suarez needed to pass it, pass it to him back. And this is something I'm bringing up, again, just regarding our Ballon d'Or segments uh, earlier. This is something Messi does. He, he single-handedly takes the game by the scruff of the neck and just kills it. And, again, he was very marked. He's very familiar with Aleko Madrid, and their defenders are very familiar with him, so they know how to block him. But at one point, he was like, I'm done with this. I'm taking the ball, and I'm scoring it. And the goal he scored was just so beautiful. Technique-wise, it was out of this world. And that's why I think this guy deserves to win the Ballon d'Or. And I hate to bring that back, but that that is just truth. But let's talk about... Let's stop talking about La Liga. Let's move on to Syria. There is a change that's happened uh, this past weekend, Inter Milan is now first, and this is having the media go crazy because the people are now starting to say, "Wait, are we gonna have a break where Juve doesn't win the the um, the the Serie A? 
Is what? What do you think? Uh, is this the year that this actually finally happens, where somebody else other than Juve actually wins the Serie? Do you recall what my prediction was at the beginning of the season? I believe it was Juve. Oh, am I? Oh wait, no, it was Inter Milan. It was so, Inter Milan. And, and this is, I'm, I'm actually not gonna take credit for anything, but I just feel like Conte is a hard-nosed coach. I think he, he will find a way to get the best out of his players. And actually, was reading today that all is not well in Turin. So there is more than meet the eye when it comes to stuff that's going on in Juventus. So when you add that to the situation, I actually could see this being a, a race that goes farther than what it is right now. Can you elaborate about what, what's going on in Juve? I mean, really, this is just Antonio Cassano, you know what I mean? He's a troublemaker, of course, but he came out and said he believes that it's really not injury or anything. But the fact that substituting Ronaldo back-to-back created a kind of tension between Ronaldo and Sarri. And this might be something that leads to further issues between. But he gave credit to Juventus for playing this down to where we feel like everything's normal. Yeah. I Again, I've said this before. I, I keep repeating myself. I think Juve is a better team without Ronaldo. I'm not saying that Ronaldo is a bad player. It's just they have more chemistry. And, and uh, Higuain and Dybala playing up front uh, plays exactly the way that Sarri wants. And and Ronaldo is too good for for to play the way like Ronaldo ha, you know has the freedom. He he's too good to have the freedom. And he ha, you know that's what's actually kind of messing uh Sarri up. But let's talk about AC Milan, our favorite club. AC Milan finally won after you know what, five games um and this is something that I thought I would never see this season, but they actually look like a very good team. The only thing that is missing with Milan is just the goals. And I've heard rumors. And actually today, uh, there was a, a, a Semper Milan, which means always Milan, said that Ibrahimovic has actually signed an agreement with with uh, AC Milan. I, I don't think the contract, but like the uh, verbal agreement or whatever, that he's going to join AC Milan in... Um, in January. So, given the fact that we can't score, do you think he'll, he'll be the right replacement? Because we can't score. Who do we need to, to bring to this team to score? So, I was just brainstorming names. Christoph Piatek, Andre Silva, Carlos Bakker. And going back to days like Andre Shevchenko, Filippo Inzaghi, Antonio Cassano. And there's just a Zlatan Ibrahimovic too. So, for him to be back, I would say we're not getting the same Ibrahimovic that we had in 2010-11. It's a different Ibrahimovic. But one thing is certain, he can score goals. He's a proven goal scorer. So if that's, like, from your assessment, this is the main problem we have, scoring goals, it definitely will help us in getting these goals in. Yes, we had so many chances. If you look at the stats, I can't remember off the top of my head, but especially in the first half, our stats was, like, off the charts. And the only piece I was missing was just putting the goal in the net. And... Hopefully it happens. I think, personally, a lot of people have a, draw, a lot of drawbacks about this because he's old, quote-unquote. I think Zlatan is a lion. Like, he always says that. He's a lion. I think he would keep going for about maybe two or three years. But this is great to see. Great development going on in the Serie A. But we're going to move on and talk about my new favorite section, coming to you live, courtesy of Bori. What do you have for us today in your random facts? Do you, did you know that... There is a player called Han Kwang Song that plays for Juve, and on Ju- Juve's under twenty three, and he's North Korean, and I think that's fascinating to me. 
That definitely is really interesting, but not peculiar in the sense that I think there was also someone of a similar stature as the leader of North Korea who had his son play for, I want to say either Roma or Lazio in the person of, I think it was Muammar Gaddafi. His son actually played for one of those teams. So I don't know what the connection is with yeah. Italian teams, but this actually beats it because I, I would never think. I didn't think North Korean players were allowed to play outside of North Korea. Which, by the way, North Korea has a Premier League. Like, they have their own league, which is something you never hear about. And obviously, they probably never show it because, you know, yeah. they're closed. But it's something that I thought that was very interesting. So my question to you, Boris, is how do you come about these nuggets? This is the most random thing ever. And that is why it is the random fact of our episode. Because I just suddenly just think about a player... And I'm like, oh, that player, let me dig into to, to him and, and see like what's going on in his personal life and all that stuff. And I find all these articles, I read through it, and then I come up with a fact. Interesting, Vore. You got me on this one. Well, thank you, our listeners, for listening. That is all we have this episode. Suleiman, please let us know where our listeners can uh, get to know us. Well, we are always on Spotify, Google Podcast, and also on Apple Podcast. And you can always reach out to us anytime on Fourth Official Soccer Podcast at gmail.com and on Twitter at Fourth Official SP. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thank you and bye bye.